Live. Welcome, everybody. Um, it's December 1st, and this is our first of um, weekly meetings on the Common Rule public comment period that ends on January 6th. We will be having these calls every um, Tuesday night at 7.30 Eastern Time for anyone that wants to join in. And I am recording the call for those that um, can't make it but want to um, be informed. Um, I think Carla, Carla's on here with us now, and um, I think she's probably more up to speed than anyone is here. So I'm going to let you start, Carla. Um, would you want to just have the floor and I can mute everybody? And um, Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Um, I do think it's on mute all right now. Let's see. Yeah, okay. So um, go right ahead, and then uh, I think as people want to speak, we can unmute. That will make it a lot easier by doing a star eight. Okay, everybody? Go ahead, Carla. Oops, wait a minute. I think I blocked Carla. (laughs) There you go. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I used to be kind of quiet. <laughs> so thanks, everyone, for joining the call. And as Kate said, this call is about discussing the common rule and the proposed changes through the notice of proposed rulemaking um, to the common rule. And just, I think you're probably all familiar, but just to go over some of the terminology, the common rule is um, subpart A of the Federal Regulation for the Protection of Human Subjects. That can also be found at um, 45 CFR uh, 46. So it is a federal regulation for the protection of human subjects. And then back in July, I believe of 2011, there was an uh, ANPRM, which was uh, an advanced notice of proposed rulemaking that was published, and then they received uh, around 1,100-plus comments. They read through the comments and assimilated what they felt was relevant, um, relevant arguments, et cetera, into what became the notice of proposed rulemaking four years later, uh, published on September 8th of 2015, which uh, Megan noticed, uh, notified us about uh, back in September, I think on early September. Um, so at any rate, th- there's really two parts to this, I would say, or even more. But at a minimum, we need to read the notice of proposed rulemaking, and it would be recommended to go back and read uh, the advanced notice of proposed rulemaking, which I haven't read. And then also, so the notice of proposed rulemaking is proposed changes to the common rule. But in addition, I would recommend we read the common rule, proposed additional rest are picked up by the notice of proposed rulemaking. So um, we can read through the NPRM and we can also read through the common rule. We could do them in tandem or I think I'm going to recommend we read the NPRM first um, 
get familiar with that and, and make our own comments on that, and then go through the common rule uh, and start uh, looking at what other changes uh, we might want to make. So um, I don't know, Kate, do you want to see if anyone has any questions about that? Yeah, let me just, um, I think I'll just unmute everybody right now and see if that yeah. works. Oops. <laughs> there we go. Okay, um, if we still have background noise, people can mute themselves for now. And then we'll see how that works. And if I have to mute everybody, I just have to. But anyone um, want to speak up? Yeah, I have a question. What does NTRN stand for? Notice of Proposed Rulemaking. Okay, so all right. It's, yeah, proposed changes to some regulation. In this case, it's the common rule. Okay, I got you now. Okay. If anyone, too, if you don't have, um, if, none of, if anyone on the call has not gotten the email that we went sent out, um, if you're in chat, you can give us your address, and if not, yeah. you can just email Carla or I. I'll give my email address now in case anyone wants it. It's Kate Rye, which is C A I T R Y E at Gmail dot com. And Carla, do you want to give yours? Yes. Wait, wait, wait. I've got um you went so fast. C A I T what now? R Y E. E at Gmail. Okay, thanks. And then um, my email is Carla with a K, so it's K-A-R-L-A Smith, S-M-I-T-H, 4-1, at hotmail.com. So Carla Smith, 41, at hotmail.com. Okay, so any questions at this point? Um, I, I'm just assuming the people in Florida, New York, and Maryland. Um, I I really couldn't hear, except it, it's I couldn't really hear your emails. Uh, Kate Rye R Y E. Yeah. C A I T R Y E at, at gmail.com. Yes. Uh-huh. And then is Carla what? At Carla Smith 41, yes. 41. at hotmail.com. Okay, thank you. And that's Carla with a K. Thank you. Right. Thanks. Okay. Um, as Kate said, this really is a discussion, you know, to prompt us to move forward with um, learning what we need to learn in order to make effective comments uh, about this notice of proposed rulemaking on January 6th uh, in, uh, next month. And, um, and if we get your email addresses, we'll send you some of the links that, that um, we've discussed. Uh, Norman Raven has a website where he 
what he thinks are um, impactful things for victims. Um, we can. I, I think, Pally, you're breaking up just a little bit, but um, oh, sorry. probably positional. Oh. So we've got, uh, we can send out links on Norman Raven's website. Uh, he has information that considers important to victims about this NPRM. Uh, there's also, we've got the link for the ANPRM, the advanced one from July. There, there's a link for tips for submitting effective comments, which basically says, you know, don't just be like, this is terrible, it's hurting me, it's hurting everyone. You have to say, you know, this particular uh, item in this particular document uh, is wrong or uh, you know, a reason why you think it should be changed and how you think it should be changed. There's a link for um, the rulemaking process itself. And then we have another link for the, um, for the comments, if you want to see the comments that people have submitted. Apparently, you can't download all the comments, but you can get a list of all the comments, and you can, each one is in a separate PDF. So you can download whichever ones you think you're interested in. And um, and then I guess if if you're ready, we could just start going through the NPRM itself. Um, I kind of like Kate said, stuck to the executive summary, and uh, and went through it that way. Um, and I honestly I'm not all the way through it, and there are some parts that are confusing. I feel like the uh, unless I'm mistaken, the table of contents don't exactly match the contents. The numbering and the items, uh, but um, we'll just start there. Unless you know someone has a, a preference, but I just wanted to touch on. Um, basically, there are three guiding principles for the um, Common Rule, as well as the Belmont Report and the NPRM. So there seems to be echo here. <laughs> um, the can, first can you repeat? Yeah. Yeah, so the three guiding principles, ethical principles for the common rule are beneficence, which is the goal of maximizing possible benefits of research and minimizing possible harm. Respect for persons is the second one. That's treating people as autonomous agents, allowing them to make choices, their own choices judgments and opinions. And the third is justice, in the sense of that there should be fairness about who receives the benefits from research and who bears its burdens. And um, they, they say basically you have to weigh them, uh, that respect for persons, for example, is not 100%, that you have to weigh benef beneficence, respect for persons, and justice. Um, they say at its heart, it represents an attempt to evaluate the weights to be applied to each of the three core principles. And, uh, and you can read about that in, in the document itself. Um, but then just kind of to pull out some of the things in the NPRM, there, there's a section in the executive summary entitled Major Proposals to Modernize the Common Rule. And uh, the first one is expanding the definition of human subject to cover research with non-identified biospecimens. 
and that that is uh, at its heart pretty much change that they're talking about to human subjects. And when we go through the common rule, we'll have more to say about that because, you know, I believe that there more changes are needed other than that. Um, and the second one is there's there are 11 exclusions proposed. Six are deemed not research, four are deemed a low risk, and one, I'm not sure, I couldn't find it. <laughs> so uh, I will have to uh, see if I can't figure that out or ask them. So for those 11 exclusions, um, and also, sorry, I should state that that in this um, in this NPRM, they're basically proposing uh, giving greater protection to human subjects while reducing administrative and uh, you know burdens to researchers that are unnecessary. Uh, in in my opinion, a lot more weight has been given to reducing burdens. And a lot of things are being taken away that were protecting human subjects. But um, I'll go through these exclusions. These are some of the things that are being removed because uh, for various reasons. Again, not research, low risk, or I'm not sure what the 11th one is. The six that are deemed not research are program improvement activities. That includes data collection and analysis for uh, an institution's own internal operational monitoring and program improvement process. Another is oral history, journalism, biography, and historical scholarship activities. A third is criminal justice activities. That's data collection and analysis that enables the uniform delivery of criminal justice. Um, that, that concerns me. Quality assurance and quality improvement activities, public health surveillance, which is a collection analysis and use of data to target public health prevention. And the rationale is that when a public health authority conducts public health surveillance activities, the regulatory protections um, should not impede the agency's ability to accomplish its mandated mission of promoting its legal mandate. Um, but I, I think there's an issue there. And then the one that Norman Raven raised, which is very important, is intelligence surveillance activities. And um, that involves surveillance activities related to analysis and collection and use of specimens, where these activities are conducted by national defense, national security, or homeland security authority solely for authorized intelligence, homeland security defense or national security purposes. And the rationale for the exclusion is the lawful conduct of the departments and agencies mandated missions um, for active, actively protecting national security, homeland security, et cetera, are not research. And um, now this is, this is according to the definition of research in the common rule, and that's a very important definition. Um, but it says these activities may incorporate the collection and analysis of identifiable information, but they are not designed to develop or contribute to generalizable knowledge. And that is inherent in the definition of research. Um, it says rather they are 
facility department or agency's legal mandate to ensure safety and protection of the United States, its people, and its national security interests. And as many, many of you know, Darlene Miles has raised the issue of the Department of Defense uh, Directive 5C40.1-R from 1982, and that directive is referenced by three current DOD directives. And it states that they can engage in human experimentation for intelligence purposes, but it is according to the common rule. And there are loopholes in the common rule already. So one question is why are they uh, officially excluding it? And uh, two, we really, uh, I would propose we don't want to exclude it. Um, Norman Raven uh, notified us today that there's a document. Um, back in 2011, Bioethics produced a document, Moral Science Protecting Participants in Human Subjects Research. And that document, basically, um, they didn't get any data from the CIA because uh, though it wasn't classified, it was um, private. I forget the term they use. And, um, but in there, they state that all of their human experimentation is done domestically in the United States, not internationally. And that's an important a statement that came from the CIA, and I believe that's an important reason to suggest that this exemption should not occur. And we can just open this up for uh, discussion. Sorry, kind of rambled on here. Any comments, everybody? Are they unmuted? <laughs> yeah, um, there's some that are muted, but um, I think they muted themselves. But I'll unmute. Okay. I'll mute. I'll, per, I'll unmute these people. Um, when I uh, have, I did read the Belmont report, yeah. and I noticed that it was written in double speak, actually. Yeah. And, and uh, one of the things about justice is uh, they said they made this statement, who is equal and who is unequal? Now, uh, what, you know, where, what kind of language is that in the United States? I mean, and right. um, uh, I, I ha have the whole community, every store I go in, and they x-ray me and they scan me and um, they make comments about, you know, they it, at like Starbucks here in Seattle, they have a monopoly on the coffee. And so yeah. uh, I go in there and they make my phone, they make my phone re uh, discharge instead of charge. And, now, uh, excuse me just for a minute, but one of, uh, I don't mean to be shutting you off, but, um, a lot of calls that we have, people talk about what they're going through personally, but right. the whole object of this call is to educate people as to what, um, you know, the common rule is, what the, um, you know, our plans are as far as addressing um, what we're now reading, okay? 
and therefore we can't be, you know, going off topic, unfortunately, because it's so involved to begin with. So if we can focus on questions that have to do with the the common rule itself and the notice for public comment or the notice for the rule changing, okay? I have a question. Well, I, I don't really see how... Uh, any any of it has been, you know, how is it going to be changed so that I'm not treated like this and all targeted individuals are not treated this way? At this I point, mean, in a way, I'm more concerned that it's even going to get worse because they're, they're, they seem to be heading in the direction of, um, you know, exempting the intelligence agencies. So I think what we need to do is focus on the proposed changes, but at the same time, um, there's nothing wrong with addressing the way the whole common rule is written now. If you take your comments and you make other suggestions, this is what they are saying in the um, suggested ways of addressing things, so if we do it in a polite way and if we um if they get more than you know a few comments about the same part of the common rule and suggested changes perhaps they have to look at that and in fact we could go through that um Carla do you remember seeing that I can pull that up in my notes and maybe oh, the, the read comments? that yeah, the, there's two sections that I um, I kept in my notes, and I will look it up right now. Um, if you yeah. guys want to, uh, if you want to um, continue with the discussion and, and try to get everybody to stay on topic, because otherwise, if we all start talking about our own problems, guys, this is just that would be just like a regular call, and that's not the point. Okay, of this, well, okay? I'll just uh, I will just try to stay on mute, but. Um, what if you guys could send me i i will write to you it's angelica uh at gmail dot com angelica five thousand one at gmail dot com and then um send me the material uh, yeah sure okay yeah do that so, we can you know, send you and, what and we've then, already sent uh, out propose some kind of an intelligent way to respond because i per- i personally you know i I think the way they've acted is like uh, abominable. Yeah, and the you know the common rules based on the Belmont report, but it's not using the Belmont report. I mean, it's not a separate something that is relevant today, uh, other than the common rules based on it. So when we make our comments, like Kate was saying, we've got to say, here's the section in the common rule. Right. Here is what's wrong with it. And here's what we propose, or here's why we think there's an issue with it. And here, I've right. got the document up on tips for making yeah, effective could you, comments. Uh, could you please uh, send that to me when I email you? Because yeah. uh, I I only have my phone, and um, but I do have Gmail, and um, I don't. I they really limit me on uh, the servers and things like that. So if you could send me all the information. You know what I'd like to do, too, right now? This might help everybody because it's not a very long read, 
But what I'd like to read to you is uh, the portion that I found that's called How Do Public Comments Affect the Final Rule? So I'll read that now. The notice and comment process enables anyone to submit a comment on any part of the proposed rule. This process is not like a ballot initiative or an up and down vote in a legislature. An agency is not permitted to base its final rule on the number of comments in support of the rule over those in opposition to it. At the end of the process, the agency must base its reasoning and conclusions on the rulemaking record consisting of the comments, scientific data, expert opinions, and facts accumulated during the pre-rule and proposed rule stages. To move forward with a final rule, the agency must conclude that its proposed solution will help accomplish the goals or solve the problems identified. It must also consider whether alternative solutions would be more effective or cost less. If the rulemaking record contains persuasive new data or policy arguments or poses difficult questions or criticisms, the agency may decide to terminate the rulemaking, or the agency may decide to continue the rulemaking but change aspects of the rule to reflect these new issues. If the changes are major, the agency may push, uh, excuse me, may publish a supplemental proposed rule. If the changes are minor or a logical outgrowth of the issues and solutions discussed in the process proposed rules, the agency may proceed with the final rule. So this, I think the key words I got out of this is um, the facts accumulated during the pre-rule and proposed rule stages. And therefore, when we are addressing what we're addressing that we find offensive or whatever, um, I think that we can use facts to back up anything. And there's certainly a lot of accumulated material. I think someone had mentioned today the Bioethics Commission hearings even as being something. So I don't want to take up the whole thing with my, my, um, my, my look at things, but I do want to explain that a little bit. Okay. Yeah, and I'd like to add to what Kate said. Um, in tips for submitting effective comments, they say, clearly identify the issues within the regulatory action on which you are commenting. If you are commenting on a particular word, phrase, or sentence, provide the page number, column, and paragraph citations from the Federal Register document. That would be the NPRM or the Common Rule. If you choose to comment on the comments of others, identify such comments using their comment IDs before you respond to them. And if a rule raises many issues, do not feel obligated to comment on every one, just like those that you're concerned about. Um, although agencies receive and appreciate all comments, constructive comments, either positive or neg negative, are the most likely to have an influence. And if you disagree with a proposed action, suggest an alternative, including not regulating at all, and include an explanation or an analysis of how the alternative 
might meet the same objective or be more effective. So, um, and they also emphasize that the comment process is not a vote. The government is attempting to formulate the best policy. So when crafting a comment, it is important that you adequately explain the reasoning behind your position. And also, if you have credentials, uh, they recommend including those, um, especially professional experience. So I just wanted to throw those out there, add to what Kate said. Does anyone have any comments or, or anything have, they'd like to I discuss? I have a few. Yeah. You. This is Margaret. Hi, Margaret. Hi. Um, you know, um, there's a few things that I'm somewhat unclear on, but um, see, um, there's different standards for different situations. And the common rule, does that even apply to us as victims of technology? Because we've been set apart and put in a different category in which we've lost uh, many of our rights. And that's something we need to address, uh, you know, as to what rule applies to us. See, we're kind of left in the dark because a lot of this information is sealed. For example, that um, lightest shooter there, I believe he was in Colorado. Uh, they said that, um, you know, these are the things that they're not telling us as general public, but that everyone in the agencies are aware of. They said that the man who did the shooting, if you, I listened to early morning news, they said they had not identified him as, their, as, as one of the people who would do this sort of thing, as the people that are on their terrorist watch list. I'm going, wait a minute. Uh, so now they're about to expand who's on the watch list and what does this apply to? Now, being in, um, I think we need to go back to maybe review some of the laws from the 70s on. Um, during the 70s, um, they had rules that didn't apply to everyone there, and still today it's gone even farther. Um, for example, in a prison uh, for uh, uh Human rights, you know, when they're doing experimentation there, they're allowed to go farther than they are with the general public. And also, uh, see, when they're doing experimentation in the hospital, the law used to be the only way they're allowed to experiment on people was if there was a, a good chance or some chance, if they're part terminal, some chance of... Uh, uh, removing the disease or the illness that the person is suffering from, but they were never just to experiment on anybody willy-nilly. It was as a goal was to heal people. If they're doing it in a hospital, they had to have the uh, the reason that, the, and the person had to get permission um, that um, that they're allowed they're allowing them to experiment them on them to. Uh, facilitate a healing or, you know, new knowledge of how to get rid of an illness. Now, in the prison, some people were allowed to um, be experimented on for different things, and they used uh, horrible things um, to them, like chemicals and things like that that weren't necessarily helpful to them, weren't helpful to them at all. But in return, they got some kind of deal where they um, were let out early or you know, where people on death row could uh, volunteer to, you know, do something good for humanity. Um, 
So, and then in the general public, what, what I'm referring to in that that I'm aware of, I'm trying to mute this stupid computer. Um, what I'm aware of that was the Tuskegee syphilis that was running up through the 70s. And um, with the Tuskegee experiment, uh, they were uh, given permission. They had grandfathered in some type of um, information that they, although they had invented antibiotics and syphilis was totally curable, these so-called researchers, which were doctors, medical doctors, they were allowed to, quote-unquote, experiment on these people with the syphilis and see how far they could take the disease and see how much brain damage they could cause in the people or what kind of uh, physical symptoms they would have, even though there was a cure for it. And see, they were held to entirely different rules because they were grandfathered in before antibiotics were uh, available to treat this disease. But somehow they were allowed to do that for, I think, 30 years past the point that uh, any of their experimentation would do any good. And actually they just had too many um, people that they weren't treating at all when they knew there was a cure. The reason they did that was to make the doctors, to give the doctors a job. But if you go back to that, there was, when I was going through nursing school, there's three separate laws I held them to at that point. Now, I do not know, and I'm not aware of, well, the law was for the general public, the, the other law was for people in the hospitals, uh, hospital patients, and the third one was applicable to people in prisons. They each had a different standard that they had to do for experimentation. You know, they allowed them to go to certain things, certain lengths. But now for us today, um, we're in a totally different situation because now the military is practicing war on us, um, and uh, they're allowed to see all the records. And I don't know if part of the intelligence agencies too, but um, this is more like testing the radiation like they did on the soldiers, how they made them stand out in the desert and all the men end up dying of cancer, you know, at some point. So I think we're more into that. And I don't know, do we qualify for common rule? If, we're, if they've exempted all the intelligence agencies, do they even listen? Would they? Would it be a forced to comply with the law if we were to well, change this? Well that, that, that's exactly the question. Not everyone believes that this is human experimentation. Um, some of us do. Uh, I base it on things like if you read CIA doctors, uh, what's happening to us, I believe, is very similar to what happened with MK MKUltra. Um, and other things, uh, there are lots of examples of unethical experimentation. So even if I'm totally wrong, I'm still all for doing this just so that unethical experimentation doesn't happen. And it's happened recently, like the support experiment conducted on neonates by NIH, um, Megan brought to our attention things like diagnosis right, gate right. with Risperidol, Seroquel, things like that. So there are current experiments. Um, but if you look in the, the common rule subpart A of the federal regulation for the protection of human subjects, there's a, another subpart, I think it might be C or E, that's for uh, prisoners. There's another subpart for uh, pregnant women, neonates, et cetera, another subpart for children. So right now they're just addressing subpart A, which is the basic uh, regulations. 
Um, but it can affect, we believe, uh, Social Security, um, people who receive Social Security. Uh, it can affect, I believe, Medicaid patients, um, you know, not 100%. But on the chance that it is human experimentation, and I do believe it is, but I certainly have no proof of that. Um, I certainly want to get my comments in to address this because there are numerous loopholes that that do allow human experimentation to occur. And for example, private institutions aren't covered. They may be covered if they receive funding from a federal agency that complies with the common rule. But if someone has private funding, they can engage in human experimentation generally without oversight. You know, there may wow. be some proposals that cover some of that, but I, I just want to cover all the bases, and that, that's kind of my thinking. I don't know well, if I'm right Well, that's a good idea. Not. Yeah, I do like it because it will, you know, people are slipping, but if that's the way there's some of these are slipping through, and it very well might be, I feel like there's more than one program out there. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, you oh, need to cover all Actually, you know, one of the things that was sent over to us today, um, the thing that Norman sent over, uh, Carla? Yeah, from the Bioethics uh, when I, Commission. When I started reading the documents, um, what what kind of um, surprised me was that if you looked at maps um, of the world, I think we, and now this was 2010, I think that this actually happened, we had 58,000-something, I forget how many hundreds, um, of research projects across the United States. Now, I think the very next largest group of any country, um, do you remember seeing that, Carla? Yes, there was a I, chart. I, was right. it Russia? The, uh, the next, I, but anyway, the next country had 25,000. So that's a significant number that, I mean, a lot of research is going on in the United States. And when you think that, I don't know how many people go into each research group. That would be an interesting thing to, to have a an estimate of the average number of people. But my right. God, if you think about the numbers and, you know, I don't know, um, you know, do they consider a couple of hundred a significant amount or do they consider a thousand? I don't know. But I would say there's an awful lot of research going on. Right. And the CIA said a hundred percent of their research was done in the United States. And, and the fifty eight thousand yeah, the fifty eight thousand plus research projects did not include the CIA's. Right, exactly. Right. Now I have That's another right. uh, point about yeah. that. Um now I've already forgotten it. This is when you were talking about CIA, yeah, in the United States. Yeah, there, and we do know that people get targeted where they go in the world, so it's not just that what's going on. Um, see, I've forgotten what I was going to say. Um, Sorry, it'll come to you just when you're yeah, ready for that. <laughs> it'll come back. Hi, this is Joe in Maryland. I just um, I don't want to go up, like go to another topic, but um, mm -hmm. and I came on late. Sorry for that. Um, I just got the email a short while ago. I just wanted to mm -hmm. ask if you guys, if anybody was going to go to the um, uh, the meeting this Thursday and Friday, and if you I'm had thinking any... about it, Joe. Um, uh -huh. 
Peter Rosenholm and I are thinking about going. I haven't decided 100% yet, um, but it's it's something that I am thinking about doing. Okay. Is this Margaret? Sorry, this is Carla. Car- Carla? Okay, Carla. Yes. I'm to talk to you. Okay. And yeah. you were going with who? Um, Peter Rosenholm. And Peter Rosenholm. Okay. I will uh, look for you um, in the event. Will you be there, Joe? Yeah, I'll definitely be. I'll definitely be there on Thursday, and uh, possibly Friday, depending on how Thursday goes. Great. Yeah, we probably won't get there until about two on Thursday, but okay. um, we will be there. And uh, I mean, we hope to be there. I'm not sure yet. I'll know by tonight if we'll be okay. there or not. Okay. Okay. I remember what I was going to say now. Um, Sorry, when uh, Tyrone Du went up to the uh, Office of Human Protections or whatever that is y'all talking about, I think it's the same one, they they told him personally, because I spoke with him about it, and it might be on one of his uh, tapes online, that the the laws they were uh, deciding on were not to protect the experimentees is to to protect the experimenters. Is to the laws were being put in place to protect or, or give legal uh, uh, rights to the people doing the experimenting, the people in charge of the program. And yeah. so he said it was a total waste of time uh, to try to talk any sense into them at all because they didn't care about the people that they were experimenting on. And my second point was, um, I went up and. When they were up here in Philadelphia, the, I know it's a different commission, the Bioethics Commission, the Presidential Bioethics Commission, and after speaking with several people who had attempted to speak with Amy Gutman and who and the outcome of all of these, going as far as making personal appointments with her in her office, um, not during one of these hearings, um, and attempted to speak to her other times, it's my understanding, it's my belief that the type of experiments they're talking about with the NIH and the uh, Presidential Commission is that they fully believe the target, you know, and I've said this before, most people don't agree, but I just want the slant to come out. What, what I've came after talking about seven different people that tried to approach her, I believe Amy Gutman thinks that we are all mental patients and that that we've been signed over uh, because of various agencies or having had contact with the mental health agency at some point, some of us, uh, because uh, and that they believe that they can do anything to the target individual in the name of, I'm talking about that, that subgroup that has uh, had at any time, uh, any type of mental health diagnosis, which most people at some point in their life had something or seen a psychologist once or something or another. But I believe they think that this is how they keep saying they've lost control. They want control of the people that are no longer in the public health system or no longer uh, that used to be placed into mental institutions and long-term care. This is their way of trying to affect the brains of people, and their their goal is to uh, retrain the thinking of mentally ill people, or even administer medications remotely, so that people don't 
freak out on them, and you know, that's why they're after calling people um, uh, schizophrenics and the um, suicide and the ideation with uh, harming self and others. That's why they're focusing on that because those people are more of a danger out in the public. That's why they got locked up in years past. And I believe she thinks all targeted individuals are mentally ill because the people that I spoke to, she, they were making some concessions towards her and she recoiled again away from them as if they, she was dealing with a mentally ill person and not a sane person. And I really want to bring that out because I think something has fallen through the cracks that, uh, that, for some reason, that this is what she thinks she's dealing with is that it's a rehabilitation of people throughout the general population. And it's Hi. Well, Hi. That's, that's, my, that's my impression. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And, you know, I've worked in, I've worked in uh, some psychology. I did some mental health uh, outreach, you know, uh, giving injections to people in the public that are they're not um, willing to abide by the care properly. They won't report in, and then they they kill their, the nurses coming in that are out in the public and are not hospitalized and or the saving money. I think part of this is uh, outreach of that particular program. Just well, I, being a nurse two, and having worked in psychiatry. Two brief comments. One, if you read Moral Science, Protecting Participants in Human Subjects Research, dated 2011. Uh, Amy Gutman wrote someone in the CIA who responded that uh, they, weren't, they did not include their information. However, 100% of all their research was conducted in the United States. So that made it clear to Dr. Gutman that there is human experimentation being conducted by the CIA in the United States, and it's not accounted for. Also, Department of Energy, uh, they had a couple of experiments um, also not accounted for. And um, so I believe she is aware, but uh, as we go forward, 2015 onwards, uh, it's certainly not clear. She's not making that clear. But if you read Moral Science Protecting Participants in Human Subjects Research, that document came out of the uh, Bioethics Commission, and I, I believe it does make it clear that uh, it is happening to some extent. I put that up in the chat room, by the way. I put the link up in the chat room. However, for those that don't have it, like at the end of tonight, we can forward um, notes to whoever is on the list. So if you, um, you know, maybe we should start a new list, huh? Or we can provide yeah. it to Neil as well as um, to anyone we sent the stuff out to already. And if anyone wasn't on that list and had something forwarded to us, just let us know the email. We'll get these links out to you. But yeah. I have to agree with Carla. I learned a lot by reading that. And what I learned, first of all, I think it was written in 2010. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, it's December 2011, right. And um, I have to say that when I read it, I felt like I was reading the suggestions by the committee that um, had their deadline last week, um, yeah. the secretary's uh, subcommittee for, that yeah. were providing the suggestions. Because when I read through the 14 points that the Bioethics Commission um, was putting forward, I thought, oh, this sounds very familiar, very, you know, very much the same. So, 
in a way, Margaret, I feel like some of the comments um, that Amy Gutman had in there made me feel like, oh, yeah, she's at least acknowledging this, you know. She was acknowledging it. What they're trying to do now is they're trying to, um, over the years, attempting to get everything so that everyone is under the common rule. Another thing I found very interesting is there's a chart in this link that you'll be getting. And I forget what the which chart number it is, but um, I can probably yeah. make reference to it when we send the notes out. Um, there's like a, there's two circles with an, a small little overlap. That small little overlap is the area of people that abided by the common rule. Now, now what they're saying is they want all the agencies pretty much to abide by the common rule. So, the, um, another point, what, another issue when you look at from the other side, why would the CIA be interested in behavior modification? I don't think that's their primary focus, but I think a lot of these. Uh, uh, these teaching hospitals would be interested in it for mental health purposes, but such as where Amy is based out of, you know. Well, if you read CIA doctors and look at MK Ultra and Project Artichoke, Bluebird, etc., MK Search, um, those projects were behavior modification. They were conducted sure. by the CIA, and they did involve unwitting or non-consent, non-consenting victims. So there is a history of having done that, and uh, there's really never uh, many people feel that it's still continuing. It's still covert, classified, uh, to be exposed. And the CIA's own response to Dr. Gutman was 100% of their human experimentation, the one they admitted to engaging in human experimentation. Secondly, it's all in the United States. So clearly. They are, and if you look on the ACLU's website, that document, you know, the AR2-2, they also uh, discuss um, human experimentation. One of the things that um, raised um, a thought to me today when I read this was that because the um, CIA um, research is not classified, it's confidential, I believe we could do some FOIA requests. And although we have a very narrow window to get anything done, if, in fact, um, we did actually send in for FOIA requests, and we'd have to get as specific as possible on this, um, what we could do is possibly even delay if we had enough comments, we could delay decision making. You know, right? And and I wanted that to opportunity it. to you know extend the time. Yeah. Because and I wanted to add yeah, to that ahead. because if if we if we don't make comments, then they then they can say, well, no one said anything. How would we know? But if we make comments and we can go back and count the comments, if say ten percent of the comments came from people claiming to be victims. Well, that that's substantial. That's something that we can point to. And even if we don't make progress, maybe 10 years down the road, future victims can use what we did. Um, and also, we can go back and sue the government if they do approve these exclusions, and we can show that they should not have been. 
So there are, are other steps. Whether or not we'll make any leeway, we don't know. But the important, important point is to get things on the record. Start stating it, letting them know that things are happening, try and speak in facts, and uh, I think it certainly can't hurt. This is Joe. Can we talk about, like, Michigan has an anti-electronic harassment law. Um, the Supreme Court had a decision about surveillance, uh, like going through walls. Um, I could get the name of that case, but I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, and there was, there's been a couple lawsuits. There was one for um, Menendez in Texas that was about electronic harassment. Um, yeah. Wahlberg, of course, everybody knows about that. But can we use like these laws and legal cases as part of our evidence? I think so. I think that it's important to bring, you know, because what you're showing is a conflict. You're showing that here's a here's a common rule, and yet here's a conflict, and how are they going to address that? So you're you're bringing up a question to to them, and at the same time you're putting them in a position they have to answer so that we know, you know, what takes, what holds precedent here, you know, is one overrule another. And that would be your question, um, as well as maybe stating that you don't believe it's ethical, you know. Mm -hmm. But, um, again, you you are pointing to, you know, a hard fact that's important. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to mention that I did go to the – the committee meeting with Amy Gutman. Um, it was horrible. I felt like um, like they were uh, like they had smirks. Um, there was another TI, and we I submitted three questions on one of their comment cards. I don't know how many he submitted, one or two, or, or maybe three. Um, they didn't read them, but there were students there and they did read two of theirs they ended early so there was no excuse as far as running out of time um and goodman has ties with fbi and there's another member who's a military researcher so for us in particular they're two really really um outrageous conflicts of interest and even people that have attended that were invited guests there uh-huh. they even made comments to that effect so you know they don't have any authoritative body um the decision making is going to come out of um health and human services uh-huh. um they make suggestions to the president but um you know even even when they made suggestions to the president to come out with a statement regarding the Guatemalan experiments. I don't even believe the president came out with anything. I think that was left undone. So I think that, if anything, they've probably had their hands slapped for even making such a suggestion. Ian, one of the the members on the uh, Bioethics Commission is from the United States Air Force. So he is an official member of the uh, Bioethics Commission. And we encountered the same issues when we went to the uh, meeting in uh, September, I think. Yeah. Okay. 
But I think we <laughs> got to do everything else? we can to speak up. Yeah. Because if we don't, you know, they will just make things Excuse a lot me, worse. Um, who was the person that said that they went to the Bioethics Commission? Uh, Joe, Joe. Uh-huh. Joe in Maryland. I, get, I went last month in October. Joe I, in Maryland? Yes. Uh-huh. Joe, Joe, are are you uh, going to uh, put your your email on the list so that I can contact you? Yes, I think I'm on the list now. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't have any, I haven't been emailed with anything because I did, I, I'm a little bit behind the curve on the list. Okay. But, and who's this speaking? Yeah. It's Angelica. Angelica, okay. Yeah, yeah I, because, um, yeah, I, I, I'll try not to talk because, you know, I mean, I'm just, I am simply outraged by this whole thing. Right. Well, anyway. I, I think we have to um, to express that as well to these committees. Um, you know, I, I, I think I, I've only been doing activism for a short time now with targeted individuals and my targeting I say started last August um, in 2014 but really you know it happened when I was at work with the federal contractor and so forth but um, I think we need to be more assertive with this um, and start really making demands and letting them know you know how horrendous this is it, well, it, actually, I I want to be compensated, and uh, the frequencies and the radiation they used on me affected my friends, unborn children, and I think that uh, pregnant women uh, should be warned. Right. Well, that's just something you know. Somebody mentioned about the particular rules that we can stress that this is happening. Um, right. Do you have any? Evidence? Any like meter reading? Yes, I do. Or, I had okay. uh, professional grade spectrum analyzers, which they proceeded to steal from me. But nevertheless, I have my logs. You have your logs, but not the meter yes, reading. Yes, I do. Okay, logs. That yes, would be, I do. I guess, and and my shielding, and I have my aluminum foil, which is I put on various parts of my body, with, which has deep pinholes and dates in body. I mean, anyway, Is it, I have uh, lots of evidence, and I continue to um, collect my evidence. And I, I think we should be compensated. I don't care okay. what they say. Well, at this point, I think we just need them to um, acknowledge us as uh Human Victims. subjects and yeah, investigate Victims. it, change this. But um, yeah, if you have evidence, that's definitely something to copy and send to them, or bring it if you're going to the meeting. I, I'm not. What meeting? Where? I'm not um, going to the meeting. Okay. okay. I I wish that I could, but I I'm I'm in Seattle. Okay. okay. If I can interject here, this is Neil. Um, <clears throat> these readings can all be obtained, and at this point, having resources in a common format that people follow uh, with meters that aren't super expensive 
and with more expensive spectrum analyzers for specifics that will match up with R&D's frequency list, and then videos and still shots of this showing the common thread across the whole country and the world for those who participate. I'm looking at... I, th I think that is a good idea, but I think that really, um, specifically, pregnant women should be alerted. And also the researchers, or whatever you want to call these people, they don't seem like researchers to me. They seem like morons. But um, they, they basically, they'll hire anybody to do this, to target you. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's, you know, these children, they, they are permanently affected, obviously, but by radiation. It's, it's being established now, and three countries have banned Wi-Fi out of schools because they're realizing that the children's aptitude is going down from Wi-Fi. Russia admits that their legal level of Wi-Fi radiation is lower than ours. There's lawsuits that are coming up from children that are coming home sick every day and feeling better. And once these lawsuits are put into place, then that provides a precedent. Um, but since there's a significant amount of people on this call, I'd like to plant a little seed that Mark Zuckerberg, who has all the shares in Facebook and started it in 2004, is giving away $45 billion in the next three years, and it's for education, and they've just had a new child, and they're giving this money um, to a variety of things to ensure the future of their child and other people's children. If we get a cover letter and we jump on this bandwagon and somebody pursues this, we could easily get a few million dollars under education by showing them the threat to their children. Uh, we're going to have to have enough to back us, so a few million is really nothing but the point is, at this point, we're understaffed. We've got some good people that have stuck around and, and have a track record of stability and getting things done. Uh, with more resources, we could do a lot. So if there's anybody who knows how to pursue something like this, at this point we have a list of philanthropists. We have a cover letter explaining the situation. We have info packs describing uh, the whole interconnected mesh grid, uh, mesh grid smart network and how it all keeps us all connected. We have all the data on all the implant technology and beyond. A lot of this stuff is sitting at SKIZIT's uh, website, Citizens Against Harmful Technology. Besides the 44-page booklet, what is a targeted individual for those who don't know? So by pulling this data, data together and presenting our packet under freedom, we could get some real money. And if we get some real money, we can set precedents, let alone exposure and, and clear education. But the biggest problem is resources, and the biggest part of that is being understaffed. That's my input. Understaffed at freedom or... Yeah, understaffed at freedom. I mean, we have we have a pool of people with a common cause, and 
And just like R&D, after 400 hours of phone calls, I said, we've done the research part of it. We have a database that's sitting there in the website, which I'm ready to publish out to the community and the public, uh -huh. with 40 folders full of files and patents and demonstrations and, and all the things that would prove it. Now it's time to set it into action and yeah. be able to hire a few people, be able to have an office in a few places across our country and and hire even non-TI people and pay them a paycheck, give them a, a job description, and get the professional materials out in a distribution list that will send it in the right directions. Good, good. This is our next move. Uh, after a while, I told R&D, I said, we're we're done with the research part. Now it's time for the development part. That means building product lines, and I found very few people that wanted to do anything but sit around and talk over coffee. Is it this or is it that? Well, just for clarification, it, it is a database that's been created to the point that it's made generals and militaries obsolete. Supercomputers can make decisions, but 10% of the population and statistics show that those 10% think differently. So gathering a database on those and the supercomputer being able to use frequency warfare and other delivery systems to uh, disable or undermine and divide and conquer uh, the human race and turn the human race against itself. This is leading to transhumanism. If you, right. need, if you need somebody to flip hamburgers and clean toilets, you put a chip in, in a clone to do that. If you need an Edison, Einstein, Tesla all-in-one, you put that in the chip. You put it in the newborn. The newborn develops from that point with a super high aptitude. They want to make us obsolete, and we've got to fight for, for our right to live and be beautiful humans and enjoy our beautiful planet. Yeah. And I believe that we will be helped. I think that there's divine help, but it wants to see that 12% of the population that always made any significant positive differences in the past do that. Well, we are in that 12%. Now our job is to find the rest of the 12% and educate them, set precedents everywhere, and then pick those precedents up. So so a lady goes out and stands there and tells the the power company, no, you're not putting a smart meter on the house. So he calls the police. The police come out and allow them to put the smart meter on the house. She turns around and sues the police, wins her case for $117,000. And the police say, well, we're not going to help you, the power company, ever again because you cost us $117,000. That's a precedent that can be used strategically. We set those up in every direction. There's Wi-Fi lawsuits with, with kids going on with the parents realizing what's hurting them. There's a protest in the Dominican Republic where they took their smart meters off their house, piled them all in a pile and protested. And there's three countries that have banned Wi-Fi in schools. Neil, excuse me, can I interrupt? Yeah. Um I I totally agree with everything you're saying. However, I think 
because we have to focus on the common rule um, in this particular discussion, I think the only way we're going to accomplish anything is um, to have everybody reading the common rule and then coming back in our next discussion. Um, what I'm even wondering now, I, mean, I think you'll learn in the process sometimes, um, if we're going to effectively make comments, we're going to have to take the whole common rule apart, the, the new proposed parts and the current part. And I see that we have, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We got like well over 20-something people on the call. So what I'm wondering is um, perhaps we could somehow um, send out maybe if if we can expect most of these people to come back to the call, maybe what we can do is break up the common rule sections and have everybody that's on the call take a small section and read it so that next week we could come back. And in some cases, people are going to say, well, I, I don't think the section I read is of great import, great importance, whereas someone else may read a section that they think it's very important for us to comment on. And I think by dividing it up, we will get further in um, attacking the most important parts. I know that, Carla, when you wrote your letter, I thought that you hit on some very key facts. I think that the information that I, I posted in the uh, um, chat room on the uh, – it's the – um, what the bioethics put on put out on the um, the moral uh, regulations on the moral science protecting uh, human subjects and uh, I think between reading that and reading the common rule, we might be able to actually come up with some bullet points where everybody ends up focusing on the bullet points, but we don't have to all focus on the same ones. But what we do need to do is continue to make the call focused on the common rule. And although, I, like I said, I agree with what you're saying, Neil, I feel like we're getting off topic a little bit. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry. I'll, I'll just admit I'm fishing for the brightest people for department heads and to see something more than uh, the activism committee, not to put anybody down that was there, but uh, more accomplished to, to fulfill our mission statement and the goals that Renata had written up that we put out. So well, I, you know what? I think that that's a good idea, and that might come out of just our discussions between now and the um, the deadline that we're aiming to shoot for. Um, hopefully, people will speak out, and um, we'll get an opportunity for you to to see some some. Uh, some you know. of the, the bright, shiny people, yeah. Forgive yeah, the bright, for, shiny stars that will help. Forgive me for dancing around yeah. the topic and just know yeah. that. I understand why you're doing it, because I know you do a lot. So I don't blame you. Right. Well, I do have one, I do have one comment here. I wish, uh, this and other things, I wish that FFCHS and the board of FFCHS would begin to write letters to some of these um, uh, bodies, uh, these assemblies, these groups, 
like this one we're talking about tonight mm-hmm. and, um, you know, of, of intelligent letters and have all the board members stand behind it if possible or just in the name of FFCHS or the board of FFCHS, I wish I began to stand behind these things and um, because FFCHS is a viable um, organization that should uh, be recognized and should put their voice out there in these, you know, for human protection. I agree with you, Margaret. And, you know, yes. one of the things that I wanted to, to suggest to the group, that we don't even have to wait till the deadline, because of the changes coming across in the intelligence agencies of exempting them, my feeling is we need to write right now to the Intelligence Committee. And I would like everyone that's on the call tonight um, to put their signature on that if they're willing to. Um, well, I'd be willing to. I've already written the Intelligence Committee. Each and every member uh, a couple of years ago, I'd be willing to do it again. Well, definitely would be willing. Absolutely. Or I'll even write the letter and sign it myself. Who's that, yeah. who's that speaking? <laughs> Lauren from Indiana. Uh, would yes, you, right. If you want to volunteer, Lauren, Mm-hmm. And then forward the letter to us, and then um, maybe we could put it out to the group, okay. ask them for uh, critique and for any suggestions to add to it, and then we could have that letter done, and everybody could have it signed, and we could have it out before the next meeting, or at least have it ready to go out by the next meeting. And okay. that could also be announced on FFCHS for people that add signatures, right, Neil? Yes. Good idea. I don't mind. Uh, Carla, hey, if you're there, it's Lauren. I, I have Hi. your email. Hey, you. Yeah. Um, what if I write the letter? <laughs> hey, you. Yeah. And I forward it to you. And give me your ideal. And again, it's simply my interpretation of what I've read and particularly send it out to you. That I think would that's be great. great. We need all the help we can get. So yeah. um, any volunteers, that's that great. Something you could put in the newsletter? That's what I was going to suggest. Yeah, also, great. Also, uh, the, e- the two uh, email addresses for Kate and uh, <clears throat> Carla, put that in the newsletter yeah. also. Yeah, and the other thing I might mention is we can also start sending comments to a Department of Health and Human Services and some of these other um, uh, entities that comply or will comply with the common rule. So we could start working on comments um, as we go as well. That's true. We don't have to That's wait true. and send we don't have it to all wait. at the deadline. I mean, no. as we think of things, you know, we there's no limit to the amount of letters that you send in. I know that the limit is on the number of words. No right. one person is allowed more than 5,000 words. Okay. I, think, I, I, think I don't mind. I don't even mind when I send it, and, and I'll CC you, Carla. I don't mind sending one to John Finch over in Australia because I I want to touch hands even internationally. You know what I mean? Yes. This is all over the world. And they should weigh in. Yes, absolutely. I could work on the one that I would write to the, uh, for the common rule, for the NPRM. I could write on that, the first one for DHHS. And if you work on the one to the Intelligence Committee, um, and then we could just merge and uh, uh, cross-reference each other and see if we missed anything. Okay, Intelligence Committee. And that yeah. would be our, alpha, is that basically our 
agencies that are the alphabet, NSA, FBI, is that the intelligence? Is that how it works, DOD? I think it's part of Congress, the Intelligence Committee, that basically does oversight for uh, intelligence activities. Or the, intelligence, the uh, Senate yeah. Intelligence Committee. Yeah, they approve the go. money. They approve the funding. Yeah. Yes. yeah, in the House. They just approved funding, actually. Right. Oh, oh did they really? Did they really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, uh, yeah. Um, I'm not trying to get off track, but isn't it true something ended with NSA? They can no longer get that metadata. Something ended like two days ago. That stopped. Yes. Yeah. Night, I think. But what yeah. they can do is they can increase surveillance. Oh. So, wow. um, in fact, uh, the very interesting um, article that came out. Um, I don't know if I have it here. I'll try to make it available if I can find it. Um, I think it was a Washington Post article about it. I follow a couple of people on Twitter that stay on top of that stuff. And, um, okay, so if they ended one thing. And, um, they, okay, they ended one thing and basically they went for another thing. They have the right to surveillance, right? Yeah, and I mean there's certain uh-huh. things that you can't um, seem to get around with them as uh, – you know, the thing is, if you look at the law, in one regard, they, um, under the Constitution, they, the court case determined that they couldn't do the mass uh, metadata collection. However, the Patriot Act, under the Patriot Act, mm-hmm. they can pretty much do anything they want. So, um, you know, I think it's just to appease the public what they're up to, because if you read the Patriot Act or the NDAA, um, they can do anything. So, yeah, that 208-page that document that you just put the link in the chat room, yes. one, of the, one of those charts says, study research-related injuries to determine if there is a need for a national system of compensation or treatment for research-related injuries because subject harmed in the course of human research should not individually bear the costs of care mm-hmm. compared to mm-hmm. treat harms yeah. resulting directly from the research. I wanted to see if that, because that was back in 2011, if any anything has been done. I think one of the things that everyone can do here is, um, I think Carla mentioned it earlier, you can read the public comments that have gone in. Now, since they didn't make any changes um, since 2011, the, the discussion has continued as far as updating the common rule. You can go back to 2011 and read comments. You can go to the current comments, although there's very few right now. I just saw a couple the other night. I went on and and they weren't. they were very brief. But I found... By reading some of them, boy, you can become quite educated. Um, in fact, one particular one I sent to Carla was on a, on a, I think it was a college that is actually one of the internal review boards. And what they're trying to do right now is they want everyone to use the same review board. And that alarmed me because that's, just like, you know, how we have the big box stores in the United States, how they put all the little stores out of business? 
Well, basically, you're doing the same thing. You're taking an internal review board, and there's many of them. All of a sudden, you're you're going to eliminate all but one. And how is that one review board going to keep up with anything? It's basically the same system as what we've done with Homeland Security. You know, most of these organizations, FBI, CIA, you know, they were not um, rubber stamping each other. So people had an opportunity to have justice and not it no longer is. Now they're all under one umbrella and they're rubber stamping each other and they're not going to cross each other. It's a good old boy network now. And that's you, what's going to happen with the internal review board. Do you think that's also by gathering them together like that is helping their one world order? That oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, and that's why, you know, some people say, oh, it's too late, you know. Well, it isn't too late. At any given time, um, people can rise up and say enough. So we we have to act in a positive way. The only things in life that ever change for the better is when people make positive, um, take positive action. That's true. This group is really super important, and the board is restructuring. And after I say this, I'll just be done saying anything to you guys. Uh, Whatever unity that you create, uh, of course, I majorly honor what you're doing. It's super, super important. Uh, But consider any help that you can give in getting administrative communication lines working well and getting freedom acting as a hub for an information network distribution that's effective. Uh, And my vision is to have department heads or committee chairs, whatever you want to call them, uh, report to the board once a month with their progress, their concerns, and their needs. So I'm, again, planting a seed. So uh, I I totally agree with you. Uh, I think that, um, Neil... If we had more calls of people planning action instead of just talking about everything that's going on with them, mm-hmm. you know, the that's thing right. is, every one of us is attacked with this stuff. Every Absolutely. Day. But if we I, I, if I, we take our our energy and put it into action instead of complaining, we will get a lot further, a lot faster. That, that's right. I know. I mean, I feel an immense responsibility to guide the calls and avoid that and perhaps even have a moderator that can uh, provide a TI-101 call for those going, I'm scared, I need protection, who's doing this and why, so that yeah. the people that are you know, more evolved in, in this whole process, we can focus on getting stuff done. Gosh, guys, it's Lauren from Indiana. I wish I had a computer. They crashed mine in money problems. But I would love that because the main thing, what I think of the, the first new target, you know, that first week when you realize you're gang stalked and everything, I would love to talk to them because they don't understand you are still so resilient like a child. If you just listen to a couple of 101s, don't quit your job unless they get rid of you because they'll always try to blacklist you. They're trying to set us back between McCarthyism and Nazism. They'll make you feel everyone is against you. Persevere. Clean up your dwelling where you have to live. Get control of your finances. Stop using that credit card. Keep money in your purse. Start cooking your food. 
start okay. watching. Um, yeah, start watching, watching more. Does anyone else? This have is a, a, we're like in a war, and it's almost like you want to prepare them one on one. Loyalties like war are always shifting. You know what I mean? You don't want anyone feeling too stuck. I can trust you with my life. Things change in this type of negative climate. You know what I'm saying? Well, they are. It's just our job is being educated and then sharing in that education. So, exactly. Uh, and I want to save any TI the prospect of any hurt as much as possible. I think that um, what we're talking about now probably could be um, taken to the Saturday night call um, so that we can get back on track with the common rule. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. Once again, I'm planting a seed. Me yep, too. I, I common know. rule versus constitutional. Think, is that what it is? Common rule versus constitutional rule. Well, the common rule is really about a human um, human research protection. Okay, it's just right. a um, it's recognized by the various agencies. So what we're doing now is we're looking at the common rule. We're looking at their proposed changes, and what we need to do. Everyone needs to write a letter. Um, and you can do it on the computer. Um, we have provided that for everyone that um, came to the call that got the email today. We have a list of the various links okay. to get you into the um, public comment, um, you know, part of uh, the documents that are we made available. But we can organize this probably even better, Carla, so that people can see um, in a very um, orderly fashion, like step one, two, and three, to make it easier for them, I think. Maybe we can talk about that the next couple of days. Uh, yeah. Can, we, can I ask you a question just yeah. really quick? Um, you were talking about uh, how, how the board could, could serve your, organ, your, your interests better well there's going to be a, a few more really rocky re weeks at the board meetings but there's nothing against people coming to the board meeting to express their concerns and what the, the board can do for them so what i propose is that you um kate or carla uh, come to a yeah. board meeting and discuss what you think that the organization how they could help you get better organized or spread this information better. However, the, the board and the organization can help you. That's that's all I just wanted to say. That, that's a good okay. idea. And then you, we might even yeah. use that. It, it could be almost like a template if we do it right. That could be used for other organizing. Yeah, that, that, I'd like to too. see you. Uh, some of you uh, attend a board meeting. That's a good that's idea. A, uh, Is that Monday nights? Is it? Uh, it's on Sunday nights at nine o'clock. And, uh, and what's that number? I can't give that number out at this point. It's okay. not going to be open. It'll be by invitation. But what I'm okay. shooting for here is it's obvious you guys are, have the stick to to do all that you've done so far, and you've got a good amount of people on the call. If you can establish your own department, come up with a department head or two that can give an overview of what you would like Freedom's Board to be doing to support the cause. Especially in a way great. of documents that might be able to help you or a fund that could help you. Some way 
that uh, if we have a, de- a, de- a definite plan for what you need money for, we can go out and get that for you. Uh, but I'd like to, you know, for some of you to plan to, to be on a board meeting. To ad- okay, thank ad- you. Administrative type things. Okay. Okay, great. Okay. All right. Sorry to interrupt. She said, it all. my job's done here. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> Thank you. And I just kind of wanted to summarize what we talked about and what we'll talk about next week. So in the notice of proposed rulemaking, we briefly went over section one, Roman numeral one, capital A, the digit two, small letter A. So we talked about IA2A. Um, and those were the first six exclusions proposed by the uh, in NPRM. And so next week, I was hoping we could at least move on and talk to you. There's just four of them. Uh, could, could, about, you, could you say what those yes. six were real quick, Kala? I got on late. Yes, yeah, sure. The six were, um, it's Roman numeral, uh, sorry, not one, two, Roman numeral two, ii.a.1 and ii.a.2. A. No, I, I know, but what were they? So the first one, one was the uh, expanding the definition of human subjects to yeah. cover research with non-identified biospecimens. And then uh, 2A was um, the first six exclusions uh, that are proposed in this notice of proposed rulemaking. And then uh, next week, I thought we could talk about II.A.2.B. Those are the exclude. There's four exclusions that are low risk. Um, there, sorry, exclusion of activities that are considered low risk and already ready subject to independent control. And then, as Kate mentioned, we could start on the common rule. And I would propose that we read ahead and look at the common rule definition. Um, and you and know what, Paula, you know what we could do, too, to make this a lot easier next week? Yes. Is, um, we can list these bullet points style for the exclusions. You know, have the yes. link ready so that everyone can follow along. I would like to have a, a written document so that people can follow the links and follow the comments. Because I think it's a lot easier to retain something when you have a visual and not just talking about it. Yeah, if you give us your email addresses, I will send out um, a summary of what we talked about today and what we're going to talk about next week. And in the common rule, uh, the section we'll talk about next week is uh, section 46.102, the definition sections, uh, definitions section of items A through F, sorry, A through uh, J. <clears throat> And um, that's just kind of a, our intended goal to get through those next week. We will send out a summary of what we talked about today as well as what we're going to talk about next week. And that's kind of all I had to say. No, that's good. So if anyone else has any comments, please feel free to jump in. Uh, hi, this is Bella. Um, I just wanted to say that... Uh, for me, what jumped out were, was the exclusions, and specifically, they're stating that um, 
even when it's definitely deemed research or even gray areas, when it's deemed a public welfare issue or where that's imperative, they, they're proposing that um, all of the regulatory uh, principles be waived. And I think that's the biggie right there. Right. Next week we were going to talk about uh, educational tests. Uh, mm -hmm. And one of the, well, in Section 3 they talk about research and demonstration projects. And uh, that demonstration projects include research. So that, that kind of goes along with what you're saying, Bella. Um, okay. Yeah, Carla, another thing we could probably um, start um, talking about is some of the backup proof. Um, we don't have to do that next week necessarily, but maybe the following week is start um, listing some of the backup that can be um, submitted or referenced. Um, yeah. You know, when people are um, raising <clears throat> objections and following yeah. up with suggestions. So if yeah. anyone that has anything like that, I think uh, – Maybe it was Joe that mentioned the uh, Michigan laws, for example. That that's a good thing to bring up because, yeah. you know, once again, you're asking the question. You know, where does this? How how do you um, meld these two situations together? Yeah, and as as action items, uh, Lauren's going to write uh, a comment or a letter for the Senate Intelligence Committee, and then I'll write up the comment for DHHS. Um, regarding the uh, intelligence activities. So we'll start having action items as well. So we start writing up comments about some of these things. Um, we'll all write our own. We won't be able to touch on them all, but we'll start writing comments that we can all submit, um, review and, and provide our input and submit to the to these agencies as well. Ekala, did you mention what I had told you today about the questions that Dr. Amy Gutman answered? How no, there, I didn't there is no actually. way to tell if you're in an, in an experiment. Although yeah, no, some, you meant, you'd go ahead and discuss that, Peter. That's great. Yeah. Uh, the third meeting we went to in 2011, we weren't allowed to speak like the other two. And but we were allowed to ask, you know, right on a you know, COD questions, and I and she answered mine. And mine was, you know, where do we go to find out that we are in an experiment if we believe we are, you know, unjustly? And she mentioned there is no way for you to go look that up and to find that out. In some countries in Europe you can, but not in the U.S. And then I followed up with that with, you know, so when I find out that I am in a experiment that I didn't, you know, want to be in, never, you know, agreed to be in, where do I go to get protection from it? Uh, and she mentioned there, you know, we have lawyers for accidents, uh, thousands of them, and they're trained to do that, and we have no lawyers trained to defend somebody in a case that they're being experimented on uh, to defend them. That's, so that's this talking. is something yeah. we might address and even you know, go to her own words. Yeah, that that's yeah. a good good idea, Peter. Um, and if you could send that to me, Peter, I could send that out to everyone. Yeah, I'll have if to you... go look it up. It was the third meeting and and find out where in it that they answered the questions. And uh, Kate, you had something on there about uh, 
does the news media follow up on this stuff or somebody had written it? And in Dr. Marino's book, Undue Risk, I think it's around page 14, they mention it's the Armed Forces Embryology Board. That is the only way to get a story written about human experimentation. They have to approve it. The Armed Forces. Now, yeah, that was back in the 1940s. I don't know if that's still the case, but that was Marino's book, Undue Risk. Okay. And then somebody also mentioned something about them paying for medical care of injury. Well, you and I had looked up before the laws allowing the military to uh, expect, you know, be exempt from the common rule. And also in there was that they are responsible for uh, for harm. Yeah, they are, definitely. That's why I, you know, I know that um, one of the things that we read today that Norman had, Norman Raven had uh, brought to our attention was the um, the paper on the um, the moral, um, what do you call it? Um, oh, moral science protection. The moral science, yeah, protection. And, and that when they talk about the CIA, if in fact it's not classified and it is um, something that we could write a FOIA about, um, maybe we can go to Muckrock. Muckrock can possibly help us with that. And... Um, you know, we we might get somewhere. You never know. What is Mucklock? Well, they pretty much help people. They, they've they done a lot of FOIA requests, and they mm-hmm. are very good at teaching people the proper way to do a FOIA request. I know I learned from um, a couple, I think they're in North Carolina, the Weisenbergs. Um, I think Kathy Weisenberg first submitted a typical FOIA and got the same typical response that we all get. But then she went to Muckrock and she got some lessons on how to submit. Well, then she submitted several and you can look up the on YouTube the Weisenberg's um, uh, videos on this and she brings it up and she tells you a little bit in detail about she actually shows the documents and shows that as things progressed and she followed what Mark Rock told her, she was able to get more information. And now it was showing that their name was coming up. Now, they didn't get a lot of information, but that was several months ago that I last talked to her. And, um, you know, something like that, if someone starts getting somewhere by following a getting more specific in their FOIA requests. Well, will, then we can learn you, from that process. Will you include that in your newsletter? I don't know if uh, I can at this moment, only because of lack of time available, but I will try to work on finding the most updated stuff I can on that. You know, you know who had great success Peter, with that was... was uh, Donald Friedman. Peter, what was what was your original comment? Because uh, they didn't want me to hear that, so they cut cut me off. Uh, the original, what I asked was, how does a person find out if they they are involved in human experimentation? But you know, where, you where said, is where is there a list? I thought I think. you made some kind of comment uh, that in some cases uh, it's justified or something. 
No. Well, oh, it's, it's about compensation for being <laughs> harmed. But as he said, uh, in this 208-page moral science protecting participants in human subjects research, it is showing history back to STD research in Guatemala from 1946 to 1948. Uh, I would suggest that you contact Joanne Carey, who's a retired judge. I have her on the Florida list as uh, you know her specialty being as a as a legal consultant, and she will put her heart into things that are right up her alley. So if you were to let JoJo know. Uh, that you could use an established procedure for FOIA, she would do the research and give you the established process. Are you oh, saying I, JoJo was a how, lawyer? She was a yep. judge. She JoJo was, was a how, judge. How can, we, how can we get uh, how can we get that information for how to contact her? Well, just email me, and I'll I'll forward the email that you send me. I to don't her. have your email. I, I need to have this information sent to me. Well, do you, you have a computer? No. I, you know, I'm I'm I need I need a computer. I need servers. I you know, I really seriously I have good information and I've been like shunted aside for years by freedom. What and is your name? um Angelica. Oh, hi, Angelica. Well, at this point, uh, if somebody... And I've even, I have been shunted aside by you as well. Why do you so. say that? Oh, you've come on the calls and overridden me, you know, and like more or less uh, discounted everything I've said. But anyway, um, so I, and I've never been, I ha do see that JoJo is a... Uh, Extremely I, articulate. I know JoJo well. I, I went to go visit her in Florida, and she, she oh, never so, told me uh, she was a judge. No, I don't think that's could, right. I don't think that's right, Neil. Could you, could you put me in touch with her, Peter? Yeah, I can do that. Okay, I have your number, so I'll call you uh, tomorrow or whatever. It's kind of late now. Yeah, JoJo's cool. I okay, believe okay. she was a reporter. I thought she was a retired judge. That's what I got. Yeah, I don't think so. But I don't know. I don't know where you well, got that because yeah. she always told us she used to be a reporter and she also worked um, overseas, social oh. justice. We, you, know, you know what I was trying to get out though is Donald Friedman did a Freedom of Information Act on non-lethal weapons with the Army, and he got a whole load of information. Now I don't know where he is or how to contact him, but I, he, I think I have that information somewhere. I think most people do. Who is saying uh, that they know that? Angelica. Okay, Angelica. And well, uh, let me try to find that. And uh, he's, I can't contact him anymore, but he actually, uh, he had a case and he was moving forward with it and um, possibly he won and then now he's, uh, you know, has a no contact thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I remember sending him money when he was living under an o overpass, but he was trying to get this FOIA request out, and he got it out, and he got a load of information. Yeah, he did. He did. You know, I actually, I have Joanne Carey down as legal and consultant in what her specialties are on the Florida list of 28 people. 
back when I created that list. And as far as uh, getting you a computer, Angelica, uh, if somebody can just pass a note my way, I'll pass it on to the newsletter editor that if anybody has an extra laptop or desktop out there that they can donate. Uh, uh, I'm homeless, stuff. so I have to have a a, 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 um, a laptop. Somebody also yeah. said last week that there's, that I forget what state, but certain states had them at Goodwill, refurbished computers. Okay, I'll check that out. Yeah, and, and please do know, I mean, I'm running the Saturday night calls now, and there's been times when I spoke a lot on the calls, and I said, if anybody ever needs me to shut up because they're not getting a chance to speak before the night's over, just shut me up, and I'll shut up. I, so, that was the best call you ever had. That, that was the best just, call Freedom ever had last Saturday. I have to commend you for that. Well, Thank just just know it is important that that everybody gets to speak and that we pull out the variety of people and their good input and get ourselves organized because that's why all these changes are happening so we can. So share your best and we will proceed, I promise. Okay, Time. so I'm just going to put myself on the list for uh, getting all the information, all the reading information. I'm, and um, thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate Thank it. You. I I have really been uh, complaining about the Belmont report for years. Thank you. Thank you. And um, if anyone has any suggestions about the content or how we went through it, feel free to uh, give us feedback either on the call or in writing. Either way, uh, we're we're receptive. So thanks everyone for joining the call. And unless anyone else has another comment, we'll just meet back here uh, next Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And um, anyone who wants to give us our, their email, we will send out a summary of what we talked about tonight and what we're going to talk about next week. And Neil, um, is it possible to post uh, the bullet points for next week on the website, somebody's asking me in the chat room if we could do that because uh, some won't have email available. Uh, maybe they. Neil's still here? I think so. I don't know if he's gone, but. Um, we we can send we'll, it to we'll them and see. We'll see if we can ha take, have that take place for those that were asking in the chat. Kate, how you doing? This is Antonio in New Jersey. Um, actually, I went to the sack up thing, and I was there for the two days, actually. Me and Tyrone, we weren't able to speak the first day. Um, I think Joni was there, um, Aguardo with his friend from New York. Right. Uh, basically, I was able, there was, there was a lady that um, was in the audience, and she actually pointed out it's exclusions and exemptions, new .101B and .104. And she actually pointed out one thing, which says surveys, interviews, surveillance activities, and related analysis or the collection and use of biospecimens conducted by a defense, national security, or homeland Security Authority solely for author, authorized intelligence, Homeland Security, Defense, 
or other national security purposes. Um, basically, it was kind of like hidden there. there. There are a lot of good points here. I mean, that was actually uh, point 101B16. 101B16? Uh, yes, there's oh. also another one, 101B15, which says public health surveillance activities including the collection and testing of biospecimens conducted, supported, requested, ordered, required, or authorized by a public health authority and limited to those necessary to allow the public health authority to identify, monitor, assess, or investigate potential public health signals or the onset of a disease outbreak, including trends or signals and patterns in diseases or a sudden increase in injuries from using a consumer product or other conditions of public health importance from data, and including those associated with providing timely situational awareness and priority settings during the course of an event or crisis that threatens the public, including natural or man-made disasters. I mean, there's actually, there's a lot, but she actually pointed out I think it was 101B16 as one of the things. I mean, it's talking about the surveillance and how uh, it seems like they could basically do it without any authorization to uh, to do that. I mean, this this packet is... Uh, I what guess are you reading has, from, Antonio? Um, it's actually, it's the title is Exclusions and Exemptions. And it says new one oh uh point one oh one B and point one oh four. And it's a packet. It was kinda weird because it was buried under a box. It's about forty pages of all the exemptions and uh exclusions. So and I wanna actually if I can mail this to you, I think this narrows it down because I basically got every packet that they had there and this one was the toughest one to find. And, um, I mean, on YouTube, you can actually see uh, Joni, uh, me, and uh, Tyrone. If you if you look it up on YouTube, you can see our speeches there. I mean, I, I basically only got about a minute because they started zapping me, and they usually caused me to stutter and uh, fumble mm -hmm. my words. But uh, I think all three of us did a good job there. If you can um, send us um, a link to that, that would be great. Okay. Um, I don't know how to send you a link, though. Um, I want to actually just make a copy of this and just send it out to you. I guess, uh, Antonio, what you're saying is you found it kind of in a heap as part of their handouts at that meeting, and so yeah. this is from a website. Is that what you're saying? Well, actually, it was a, it was a lady that pointed it out in the uh, in the audience there, and she heard our me uh, uh, me and Tyrone speak mm -hmm. there, and she came up to us as we were leaving, and she pointed out this section because we basically sat through the, the whole first day, and then they only let a couple of people talk, like uh, say Joan, she was one of them, Eduardo, like three mm -hmm. people were were able to talk. I'm and there was a lady. There was a lady there from the DOD, and she left at like twelve o'clock. And then the next day, there was a guy there from the military. He was in uh, uniform there in the, in the front row. I mean, we had to stay there, you know, for our second day because we—that was our whole point of going there—was to be able to speak and uh, 
it was kind of weird that this was buried there, but she came up to us afterwards and pointed that out because, I mean, it kind of pertains to uh, our situation there. One I wonder if this is a preliminary that. or something like that, or if it's a final. Or it, Could you give us a better title to identify this document that maybe we can search for it online? Um, I mean, the first page, it just has, like, discussion and framework. Like she was saying, basically, you can write comments about um, the exclusions and exemptions, do you think this like was I, a PowerPoint presentation um, that you you kind of unearthed, you know, under a box or something? Well, basically, I think that's what it was because the, the second day we actually we got there later just to be able to talk, so we got there in the afternoon, and I think they were talking about this packet the second day. Like the first day, they were basically rambling on about the same thing, and then I think the meeting before they were talking about the same thing also, and then finally... I well, guess the second day there, they actually got to this packet where it was uh, exclusions and exemptions. So if it is a handout, is there any way that uh, we can send you money, go to Kinko's and get it scanned, and then for us to publish it? Elena, it's right in the um, the. Chain. It's reading from what it's is in right, the... Yeah, it's right in there. Oh, okay. Okay, I didn't if realize. you get to the... I mean, it, it's a large section to get through the biospecimens because... Um, I think there's more than one agency that pipes in about it. But, um, you know, if you get to that section, um, a lot of it that I'm concerned about is that not only are they including biospecimens in, um, under human subject, which is probably a good idea. However, um, what they want to do is have... Um, once a biospecimen is used, if it gets reused again in the future, they want the consent to take place on the first use. And I know that that type of issue came up under the Human Genome Project, and um, some people, um, uh, DNA was used for all kinds of research, people made oodles of money on it, and yet the people that really needed help when it came to disease, they were um, in a situation where they financially um, could not afford um, the procedures needed to be done, and yet they had been the original people who gave the biospecimens. So, um, you know, there's a real ethical line there where, you know, I wonder when a specimen has been used under one circumstance, if in fact the the individual providing it has the right to ex exclusions of some sort. Yeah. I think they're trying to eliminate any possibility of any lawsuits, and I think there has been lawsuits, and I think that's what they want to go away. Well, you know what? I also addressed that. Remember that same meeting where I asked those questions? They had a, a girl from an Indian tribe who's down in uh, the Grand Canyon, I believe. It was down in some canyon. And they had wanted their DNA to study because they had uh, diabetes within their tribe and it was very much isolated. But then they began to use their DNA for all kinds of other things to see about incest or, you know, 
stuff like that, and and the tribe got really angry over it, and they finally got their DNA back, and they buried it, you know, like. Uh, well, like, that that's another thing they talked about, and and it's very true. They said that because of the markers on the biospecimens, anyone given the data that they have, the people that have access to this stuff, could trace it back to an individual. So if you know five years down the line a marker in a test that was done for cardiac evaluation actually ends up showing that this person is predisposed to Alzheimer's disease, for example. Um, You know, that type of thing in the hands of um, a research organization that could be, for example, an insurance company, um, could blacklist that person not to get insurance. And I know they've set up rules and regs against that type of thing. However, um, it was brought up in the discussions I saw and the changes, and it leaves it very open that uh, so much information can be traced back to an individual. Yeah, they want, like, dual use. They want to use it for an experiment and then use it for whatever else they might deem in the future. You know, there's a great book called The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, and it's about how they made billions of dollars on her cells, and it altered the course of science, really, in medicine. Actually, um, there was a heard- woman at the Super Soldier uh, in 2013, and uh-huh. her, um, they, she was the very first person who was used um, to, you know, um, to unmask the whole um, genome. And she also um, got no credit for anything. And she had no access to her own material. Henrietta Lacks was also a victim of non-consensual research as well. And so she was a poor uh, black woman. They used her non-consensually, and then they profited off her cells. It's an incredible story. But it's older, you know, than the genome uh, project. Huh. I guess that's why she brought this up, because part six, I mean, it's saying, you know, a defense, national security, homeland security authority, solely for the authorized intelligence, homeland security, defense, or other national security purposes can investigate no, basically, um, I mean, I'll read it again. It says, surveys, interviews, surveillance activities, and related analysis for the collection and use of biospecimens conducted by defense, national security, or homeland security authority solely for the authorized intelligence, homeland security, defense, or other national security purposes. You know, they basically can investigate, you know, just like what you're saying for biospecimens or whatever, but they can surveil you and do all this stuff. You know, without even. Hey, do you have the link to that article that he's referring to? Mm. I don't know if you ended up getting this because I know me and Tyrone were there the second day. I don't know if there was anybody else there. Um, If if you have a link, you could put in the chat room or or email to us. That would be, or just the name of a document. 
I, I actually, I usually don't go, I mean, with the computers, I, I basically am stuck with my iPad. Uh, I don't even use my, they basically hacked into everything in my home. And my, well, my if you home. don't see words to look up the uh, YouTube or whatever, that, you know, give them to us and we'll try to locate it. Okay. Um, I don't know if this is um, going to be on there. I have a question, um, Kate or uh, Carla. Have you heard about this Menlo report? Are you familiar with that? I have not. Say that again. I'm I'm sorry. Menlo report. I I, uh, emailed a link to you, Carla. Um, It's it's from the Department of Homeland Security. And they came out with it, uh, finalized it in 2013. But it's a basically... um, uh, ethical principles uh, for information and communication technology research. So that's yeah. really important to look up. Uh, did you, Met- sorry, when did you email that to me? I'm sorry. Today I did. Okay. To about Carl Smith. Oh, a few hours, ago. I'm sorry. To uh, Carlos Smith, <clears throat> 41 at hotmail.com. Um, because you, you sent me something and I just replied to it, so it should have gone right directly back to you. Okay, I I don't see it, but maybe I missed it. Um, who's it coming from? I apologize. I'll, I'll send it again. It's uh, my email is danceswithangels23 at Yahoo. Yeah, uh, I don't have it actually. So if you really? could send that, that would be great. Thank you. Okay, I'll send that to oh. you. Um. Because uh, that um, Gerald Schatz, who was at the uh, Bioethics Commission, he's a JD. He was a professor of uh, bioethics at I think Michigan, yeah. and he responded. He's a part of this group, Citizens for Responsible Care and Research, and he responded to that uh, the Minlow report, and he has a really very uh, good response. So I sent oh, that wow. to you. So I'll send it again. Thank you so much. Yes, it's not in my box yet. I'm not sure why, but I've been having email issues. Okay. Well, they're trying to get around. I mean, they're really, like, focusing in on this technology issue in that Menlo report. So, and okay. he, they're, they're, and people are fighting it. These, these human rights are trying to fight it, so. Okay. I will look for that. Thank you very much. Sure. Yeah, I think in this packet, point 104D2 is also um, a pretty good one. But they were actually saying there that, um, you know, if you look at on YouTube, you know, Joni at Sackrup or uh, Antonio Caribello at Sackrup or Tyrone Du, you'll see uh, you'll see our speeches there on YouTube. Um, so they what, what words do you think will get us to that? Excuse me? What words, what keywords will get us to that on YouTube? Um, actually, Tyrone posted it on his uh, YouTube website. I mean, um, it's Illuminati Got Me, and then you could see, like, all the, um, I guess, events, and he's got Joni, um, me, and uh, and him speaking there, and he kind of put him on the spot and was asking for solutions, you know, like, basically, we weren't going to leave there until... Uh, until we got some help from them, and they were saying, you know, this... You know their um, 
basically SACRIP really doesn't, um, you know, deal with um, what we're going through, you know, directed energy weapons and being tortured by that. But it's kind of weird that, you know, there was a lady there from the DLT, there was a guy there from the military the next day in uniform. Yeah, I think they were trying to dismiss you. Yeah, basically that's what it was. And then they gave us, you know, a contact of a DOD lady, and I think Tyrone tried to uh, contact her, but we didn't get any response from that. Yeah. But that's what it was. They're basically trying to, uh, you know, ignore the fact that this is going on. But like I said on uh, on Saturday, you know, Bill Clinton's apologies on YouTube. I think that was on, uh, I forgot what website. Um, they actually do good work, too. Uh, I can't think of it offhand. But he basically apologized for the human experimentation and stuff like that. And that's why, you know, me, Tyrone, and Betty, we went uh, in New York. Betty wasn't there the first day, but we went there two days to Hillary Clinton's office and we're, you know, peacefully demonstrating in front of there, try and get the word out. And um, But I think, like earlier you were talking about, in China, they were actually, they usually, um, pregnant women, they used to wear radiation blankets to protect themselves from, uh, you know, protect their babies from EMF frequencies. Wow. So they kind of know something we don't know. I actually purchased three um, of those blankets, and they're blankets, and they it didn't help. They were huge. They, they're about the size, I, I don't know, about 30 inches by 30 inches. So it covered my body from head to toe, the three of them. Um, really? And they didn't help whatsoever. They're very heavy to sleep under. But yeah, I, I I think with these energies, I mean, that's just for basic radiation from, like, your cell phone, but we're getting targeted by this stuff, and I think whatever they're using, it's just getting through everything. I mean, it seems like it's a combination of a lot of things. Well, I really think it's radio frequency. That goes through everything, and it would go through lead particles uh, because yeah. it's not a solid lead blanket. It's mush inside. I didn't rip one apart. They were too expensive. Yeah. Um, so you know, when it's a directed radio frequency, it goes through multiple walls. Um, it's beamed. Um, so that's probably why I think it didn't didn't work. Yeah, and I think with these energies, too, I mean, even, you know, aluminum's not magnetic, but if you take an aluminum pipe, I actually saw this 13-year-old kid was doing something on Dr. Oz where he took an aluminum pipe and took one of the uh, neodymium magnets and dropped it through, and it actually creates, like, an anti-gravity effect where the magnet doesn't, you know, fall, like, with gravity. It's actually, it's creating, like, a magnetic field within the pipe and it just slowly drops through the pipe. So it's like it seems like all metals can 
have uh, magnetic properties, or I don't know, uh, I really don't know how that's working, but it seems like that's the case. It, it was kind of weird to see, and I actually did my own demonstration, and it was doing the same effect. There's a wonderful article that was sent to me by someone, I think she was on earlier, she might still be on, uh, time-reversed acoustics, and it just didn't mean anything to me. And it turns out to be so invaluable that it really reads your body and how it can pinpoint. I haven't read enough about it, but if everybody wants to look that up, it is just amazing. She sent me a PDF from Scientific American that was published in 1999. She paid for it and sent it to me, so I didn't have to pay for it. I could forward that to everybody, but I don't know enough about it. But it pretty much, because my cat doesn't hurt when I am, it really is to one particular, and it this couple of this, when I searched, and I don't use Google, but when I searched time reversal acoustics, I came up with a lot of military documents. And it is radio frequency, and it was declassified, obviously, because they did post it. And it was later than that 1999 article. And I really think that that is very, very relevant. Um, it just, that, you know, like Internet of Things didn't mean anything to me for the longest time. I just thought it was like a toy phrase, like a stupid little phrase. What is this little phrase? And then here it has everything to do with everything. Um, you know, the Internet of everything. And unbeknownst to us, we're buying things that have chips in them. I kind of went past it, but I did see on one of the devices, I don't know if it was on Zigbee or Wigwag or Contiki or one of those where they showed, uh, it said kind of jeeringly, like, gee, even though you might not have any wireless devices in your house and nothing smart, you do have something smart in case you bought an extension cord, it's, there's a chip on the end of it, so it's it's part of the the network. You know, it's part of the uh, the the web that it's creating to talk among each other. It's but I went past it because I was so interested in looking for something else, and I wanted to read that, and then I couldn't find it when I was trying to get back to it. So we're buying products off the shelf at Home Depot. And we don't even know it's it has a a, a smart thing in it, basically. Yeah, basically the way they hacked into everything in my house here. I mean, if you think about it now, even your cell phone, they have an RFID, and actually I think Verizon's kind of hold them back. There's a, I guess uh, it's like something called like uh, get like free radio on your on your cell phone. Any cell phones, they all have RFIDs, and Verizon's kind of hold them back, and it kind of seems a little suspicious that they don't want to. I don't want to unlock that, you know, basically, if if you think about it, like even the emergency broadcast, they can basically, when they broadcast, they can broadcast to any radio station or whatever if, if there's an emergency within the United States. Well, that was brought up last night on the uh, National Liberty Alliance call. There was a person talking on smart meters from Michigan and no, maybe from Arkansas, I forget which one, but it is on their website, the person who talked about the smart meters. It, and he said, you know, this isn't fun and games. That smart meter talks to everything that you have that's smart around you, including maybe this extension cord that you got that has the smart chip in it. 
in in the area where you plug it into your wall. But they'll be able to tell whether the barcode's inside your refrigerator and when the barcodes disappear out into your trash. Um, Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Kate and Carla, is this the end of the call? Yeah, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have gone into that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I was going to actually end the uh, recording. I don't know by hitting end if I actually end up terminate the whole thing or not. Oh, you can continue, Kate. I'm sorry I went into that. But Wait, no, no, that's, that's all right. Okay. We're, we're done. done. So, um, okay, so I look forward to getting an email. I'll talk to you all later. Okay. Thank you thank very you. much. Okay, yeah. thank you. Did you I, I, hit, Helena? Yep. If you hit end, it just ends the recording. Okay, so good. Closes it. And I-